the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cry indeed, Abba, Father, we call you Daddy, hallowed be your name. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for another time in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that we go from strength to strength even as we come before you. Thank you, Spirit of God, that for the grace upon me to teach your word tonight. Thank you that grace is upon your hearers as your word comes with power and with simplicity, understanding, and transformation. Be glorified in the lives of your people as your people are edified by your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Shout a better amen. Okay, so come with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Let's read it together. One go. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Alright, verse 2. For people will be lovers of themselves. Now, you have to understand the context is everything. He said there will be times of difficulty. And he says that the reason why there will be times of difficulty is not because the government will be bad. <laughs> you see where he's putting it? When you think about difficult times, you think about a difficult government, you think about a bad government, you think about all of that. But <laughs> the scriptures put it in a different light altogether. It doesn't mean that the government is absorbed from blame. But you have to put it where scripture puts it. Do you understand what I'm saying? What is he saying? He said, for in the last days, understand this, that in the last days there will be difficult times. And he said, the reason why there will be difficult times is because of the kind of people that will be in the world. Praise the Lord. Uh -huh. The kind of people that will be in the world. And he said, the first categories of people that will be in the world that will make it very difficult for us to live in the world in the last days is people who love themselves. For people will be lovers of self. Somebody say lovers of self. And what do they, again, lovers of money. Let's go. Lovers of money. Go. Proud. Arrogant. What's the difference between arrogance and pride? <laughs> okay. <laughs> he said, people will be what? Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Verse 3. He said, heartless. Can you see that? That's why there is difficulty. The Bible says, people will be heartless. Then he says, unappeasable. Slanderous. Then what again? Without self-control. He says, brutal, not loving good. Verse 4. Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Okay. Verse 5. And then he says, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. What a tall list to avoid. So, scripture does not just tell you to associate with some people, it also tells you to avoid some people. And so, in two weeks' time, on SL today, I'll be teaching on the kind of people you need to connect with. Yeah. The kind of people you need to connect with. There are people the Bible warns us against. And there are people the Bible tells us to associate with. He says, this category of people, if you meet somebody who loves himself, if you meet somebody who loves money, if you meet somebody who is proud, if you meet somebody who is arrogant, unappeasable, swollen with conceit, somebody who has a form of godliness but denies his power, somebody who is reckless, somebody who is slanderous, the Bible says that is the kind of person you should what? 
Avoid. He says you should avoid. In the book of Romans, he says, mark those who cause divisions. That we, he tells us another group of people we must avoid. He said, mark those who cause divisions and walk contrary to what you have been taught. He said, avoid such people also. But tonight, for the purposes of our series, we are going to consider four categories of lovers in the last days. Somebody say four categories of lovers. Say four categories of lovers. Yeah, four categories of lovers in the last days. From verse 2, he says, For people will be lovers of themselves. Somebody say lovers of themselves. So the first categories are lovers of self, those who love themselves. Pastor, is it bad to love yourself? Well, to some extent, it's good to love yourself. Every one of us must have a certain degree of self-love. But when the love for self goes beyond a certain biblically accepted threshold, it becomes devilish. So the Bible says, lovers of self. Number two, lovers of money. Somebody say lovers of money. Lovers of money. Say lovers of money. Okay, now, I tell people all the time, when you read the scripture and it gives you a certain picture, and the picture is not good, don't put yourself into it. What scripture is simply telling you is that don't become part of those. So when the Bible says, in the last days, difficult times are come, people will be lovers of themselves. Anything the Bible talks about here, you have to try your best. The grace of God helping you, the Holy Ghost helping you, not to become a victim of all of that. In fact, the Bible says, don't associate with them. So why should you even become one of such people? Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't associate with them means that you are not like that and you should not become like that. So he says, lovers of money, lovers of self, lovers of pleasure. Number three, lovers of pleasure. Somebody say lovers of pleasure. pleasure. Say lovers of pleasure. Ask your neighbor, do you love pleasure more than you love God? Do you love pleasure more than you love prayer? Yeah, do you love pleasure? The Bible says lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So he's not saying that it's bad to love pleasure. But when your love for pleasure is higher than your love for God, something is wrong. Are you here with me? Okay, then he says lovers of God. Somebody say lovers of God. Say lovers of God. How many groups of lovers do we have here? Four. Do you see that? The Bible talks about four groups of lovers. They are lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, and lovers of God. Ask your neighbor, which one are you? Okay. And our quest or our journey through this series is to make a lover of God out of you. How many of you want to become lovers of God? We want to make a lover of God out of you. And that is what this series is about. So I'm teaching on lovers of God. Somebody say lovers of God. Lovers of God. That is the title of my series. And tonight I'm speaking on love is the greatest. Say love is the greatest. Love is the greatest. Love is the greatest. Love is the greatest. And we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 to 13. He said, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Okay. Although I have the gift of prophecy... And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith, so I could remove mountains. But I have no love. I am nothing. Okay. So first of all, he says that you are like something. When you have no love, you are like a clanging cymbal. And then when you have no love, you are like nothing. Okay. See the way he's going. When you have no love, you are nothing. Then he goes on to say, Although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have no love, it profits me nothing. So you are like nothing, and then it profits you nothing. Okay. Now he begins to tell us a bit about love. Love suffers what? Oh, talk to me. Love suffers what? Love suffers long and is kind. Ask your neighbor, can you suffer long? Yeah, can you suffer long? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not what? Envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Verse 5, he says, Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Verse 6, he says, Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Verse 7, let's go. 
He says, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Oh, I like that. Did you see that? He said, love believes what? All things, love hopes all things. So when he goes to the end, take note of that. Love can believe all things. That is what makes love powerful than faith. Love believes all things. Love believes all things. So as you go on, later on he tell you, now abided these three. Hope, faith, and love. But the greatest of this is love. Why? Because love believes all things. Love also hopes all things. Now hope is an element of love. Faith is an element of love. So love is greater than faith. Are you following? Okay. Now goes on to verse 8. He says, love never, Fail. love never, Fail. but whether there are prophecies, they will, Fail. whether there are tongues, they will, Fail. whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Verse number 9. He said, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. Verse number 11. He said, when I was a child, I did what? I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away what? Childish things. Verse 12, let's go. For we see in the mirror, then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Now let's go, verse 13. Now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these the greatest of these, the greatest of these, say the greatest is love. All right, the greatest is love. That's what we are focusing on. That's the title of my teaching. The greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. What makes love greater? I've already told you. When it comes to its comparison with faith and hope, because he says, now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is what? Love. And I told you the reason why faith is greater is because love believes all things. Love hopes all things. So he puts it above already. But love is basically the greatest because love is God's nature. Love is not something God has. Love is who God is. Somebody say love is who God is. Love is not just something that God has. Love is his very nature and essence. If you are looking for God, God is love. That's what we are told. 1 John 4 verse 8. He said, he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Somebody say, God is love. Right. Say, God is love. Right. Now, God is love. That is what makes love powerful. God is not faith. God is not hoping else. God is love. God is love. Six reasons why love is the greatest. The first is because love is first. First commandment in the law. Look at that. Love is first. It's the first commandment in the law. The first commandment in the law. That's what Jesus said. Under the Old Testament, when a man came to Jesus in Matthew 22, verse 34 onwards, when the Pharisees said that he had silenced the Sadducees, they were happy. And they came also. They were glad that the Pharisees had been put to shame. Jesus had put them to shame. And they came with their own question. The Bible says, a teacher... Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him, testing him, verse 35, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Which is the great commandment in the law? Then look at what Jesus said to him. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first. He was talking about the great. Jesus said, it's not just the great, it's the first. Somebody say, love is the first. Say, love is the first. Now, under the Old Testament, love was first. Love was first. And we are going to see how love was first. Where Jesus quoted is what I'm quoting for you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. He's one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's what Jesus quoted and replaced strength with mind. Because the greatest place where strength lies is in the mind. The people who are strong are strong in mind. They are not just strong in their body. 
A person who is stronger in mind is stronger any day than one who is stronger in just his body. Now look at Exodus 20, verse 1 to 3. Let's look at it. This is where we see it. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. That is, you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart. Do you remember what we read? That's what he's saying here. Have no other gods before me. In other words, set your affection on me above everything else. Have no other gods. That's the first commandment. The first and the foremost. Have no other gods. Have no other gods. This year, may there be no other god in your life. Amen. Oh, pastor, I have no idols. I don't worship idols. I have no idols. Your phone may be your idol. Your beloved may be your idol. Your children can be an idol. Do you know? There are people who can't just set their children apart. Before they had children, they had more time for God. Their children came. The children are an excuse. God understands. I'm God understands. I'm raising children. God doesn't understand that he has been abandoned for your children. Am I communicating here? Yeah, that's it. Some of us, our job is our idol. Anytime our job comes in between us and God, we will choose our job. That's what we are talking about here. He said, have no other gods before me. Have no other gods. 2024, may you have no other gods before Amen. you. May he be your first love and last love. Amen. May he be your greatest obsession. Amen. Shout a believing amen. amen. You shall have no other gods before me. So love is the first commandment in the law. That's number one. Number two, the second reason why love is the greatest is that love is the foundation for our salvation. Love is first. Love is foundation. Love is the foundation for our faith. Love is the foundation for our faith. The Bible says in Psalm 11 verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, the righteous can do what? Nothing. So foundations matter. The strength of every building is in the foundation. And if the foundation is weak, there is no building. And that's why I'm taking time to walk you through this. Some of us, our relationship with God is not strong because we are yet to understand God's love for us. Praise the Lord. And understanding, a proper understanding of God's love for you will cement your relationship with God beyond any doubt. That's it. You did not choose God. God chose you out of love. Say an amen. I told somebody to say an amen. That's where it started from. The reason why we can relate to God is because of his love for us. Without love, we are not able to enter into a relationship with God. John 3, 16, what did he say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that through him, whosoever believed in him should not what? perish. How did we come into a relationship with God? For God so loved. That's why we came into a relationship with God. He so loved us. So when you read the book of John, he said, oh, one manner of love that the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. That's where it started from. God so loved us and today we are saved. First John chapter 4, verse 10. First John 4, 10. He said, in this is love. Not that we love God. Oh, I love this. I want you to see this is foundation. This is where you got born again. This is how you came into faith in Christ. He said, in this is love. Not that we love God. But he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What separated man from God? It was sin. You remember? Do you remember? Isaiah said that your iniquities and your sins have separated you. It has drawn a wedge between you and God. How could that wedge be destroyed? How could a bridge be made? That bridge was done when Christ was sent to come down on the cross for a sin he did not commit. And this is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sin so that there will be a bridge so that we could connect with God. Somebody say, I thank God for his love. Again, Romans chapter 5, verse 18, he said, but God demonstrated his love towards us. He says, God demonstrates his love towards us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is foundation. Somebody say foundation. You see, anytime you are, you, are, you are taught love God, but you are not taught the foundation on which. Next week, I'll be teaching on the basis of loving God. Praise the Lord. The basis of loving God. Because some people feel that we love God because of uh, maybe something we've received from God. Or, and all of those things are great. But there is a fundamental base. When that base is wrong, 
there is no way you can become cemented and rooted in your love for God. So we'll look at the basis of loving God. We'll look at the blessedness of loving God. And we'll look at, um, I think, let me see. Oh, 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 oh. We'll look at, okay, so we'll look at the basis of loving God, the blessedness of loving God, the biblical proofs of loving God, and the battle against loving God. Praise the Lord. Those are the things we are going to be running with in this series. I'm sure the one that will take us uh, a bit longer is the proofs of love. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So love is the foundation. Somebody say love is the foundation. Say love is foundational. Yeah. Love is foundational. A Christian who understands the love of God is a strong Christian. Yeah, yeah. So you need to get this, get this very well. If you don't get this very well, you'll just be, <laughs> you'll just be. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What made them strong was their love for God. He said, we know that he will come through for us. Even if he will not come through, we know him. We love him. Are you here with me? Look at what Apostle Paul said. He said, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Then he said, he that spare not his own son. But he goes on all the way. He said, nay, in all these things, what shall separate us from the love of God? That's why he was strong. But he was, he was an indefatigable believer. You could not defeat him. Strong. Every time. Because he was rooted in the Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Paul speaking, yet I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. He said, the, love, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Look at this. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Please follow this foundation very critical. If you miss it, you may not uh, appreciate what I'm going to be teaching. So love is foundational. You cannot be in a relationship with God without love. His love reached out to you. Praise the Lord. He said, I live by the faith of who loved me. The faith I have is rooted in the fact that God loved me and gave himself for me. I live. What kind of faith do you live by? Is it the faith that takes pride in your works? Is it the faith that takes pride in the things you are able to do? Your self-effort, your works. He said, I live by the faith of the Son who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul had an understanding that he was loved. Praise the Lord. He understood that God loved him. And as we go on, you will see, when people got born again and they, Paul heard it, that they were saved, when any time he wrote to them, one of the things he talked about was their love, their love, their love, their love, their love. And he prayed that people would become strong in love. Because when you are strong in love, you are really strong in God. When you are strong in love, when you become strong in love, you are filled with all the fullness of God. There is no part of God that you don't capture. Every part of God is in you when you are filled with love. Somebody say, I'm walking in love. love. Say, God loves me and I walk in love. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. You see, this is the foundation because you cannot love other people who find it very difficult to love. eh? It's because they don't understand the love of God. When you understand the love of God, it becomes easier to extend that love to others. Look at this. But God, who is rich in mercy, okay? Because of what? Oh, talk to me. Because of what? With which what? He loved us. Verse 5. He says, even, verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. Now, what made him, what provoked God to make us alive with Christ? Love. You see, the grace of God is an expression of the love of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, the grace of God is an expression of his love. God manifested his love to us through grace. He said the grace of God that brings us salvation had appeared unto all men. How did that grace appear? It appeared through Christ. All right? How was Christ given? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So when Christ appeared, God was manifesting his love towards us. He says, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive. By grace, we are saved through faith. Titus chapter 3, verse 4 to 5. Titus 3. When the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man, oh, come on, toward man, 
toward man appeared, when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Here, not by works of righteousness, which we have what? But according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing, when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, it appeared in the person of Christ. Love is the foundation. Somebody say love is foundation. So we are studying the fact that love is the greatest because love is first. Somebody say first. The law, love is first. And then, in the new, love is the foundation. If you are a New Testament believer, your foundation is love. So if you are not working in love, something is fundamentally wrong. You don't even get a foundation. If you don't understand the love of God, you are off track. Now go to number three. The third is foremost. Somebody say foremost. Foremost feature of true disciples. Love is first. Love is foundation. Love is the foremost feature. It's a feature, but it's not just a feature. It's the foremost feature of true disciples of Christ. Love is one of the foremost features of true disciples of Christ. Love is the foremost. Look at what Jesus said. John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. A new commandment. Somebody say a new commandment. Say a new commandment. A new commandment. I give unto you. Give what is it? That you love. Oh, talk to me. That you love. That you love. As I have. That you also love one another. Now hold on. A new commandment I give unto you. Love one another as I have loved you. What makes the commandment new is not the loving one another. Because loving one another is not new. In the old, Jesus said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So loving one another is not new. What makes it new is that you are going to love one another as I have loved you. That's new. Praise the Lord. That's why anybody who has not experienced God's love is not likely to be able to love you the way God expects. And that's why if you are married, you have to make sure that the person you are marrying is first and foremost born again. In other words, he has experienced the love of God and is committed to growing in the love. If you marry someone who is not born again, he may be rich. But if you are looking for real love, genuine love, the God kind of love, for you, you won't find it in him because he doesn't have the capacity. You see, a goat can never manifest as a pig. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, no, it's not possible. They cannot. They are two different animals. He said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved. The reason why the Holy Spirit was given to us is so we can love as Christ has loved us. The reason why the Holy Spirit was given to us is so we can love our enemies. That is the difference. You could love your neighbor as yourself under the old. But in the new, you are loving as Christ has loved you. That's key. When you go to Ephesians, he said, forgive one another as I have forgiven you. When God forgives us, he doesn't bring it to our remembrance. I will blot out your transgressions. I will not remember your sin anymore. Is that not what we like? You always want to relate with someone who loves you so much that he will not be bringing your past to you. Is that not what you like? Why is it that when you are relating with others, you are quick to bring their past to them? It's because you've not understood that what Christ did for you, you are to do for another also. Look at 1 John 4, 7 to 8. He said, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Alright? He that does not love does not know God, for God is love. Somebody say, God is love. God is love. So, here we are saying that John chapter 13, verse 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Then when you go to verse 13, 35. He said, by this, somebody say, by this. By this shall all men know you are my disciples in... Talk to me. You are my disciples... If you have one. Uh -huh. So, if you are going to check whether you are a true disciple of Christ, it's not whether you speak in tongues. It's not whether you sing in the choir. It's not whether you're a preacher. It's when we check your blood and there is a love for the brethren in you. When you want the best for others, just like God wants the best for others. 
when you are ready to lay down your life for others, just like Christ will lay down his life for others. That is a true Christian. Are you following what I'm teaching tonight? It is so, so important. By this, not by our tongues. That's why he says, if I give my body to be bad and I have no love, it profits me nothing. Because that's not the standard. That's not the sign. By this, not by my singing. By this, not by my tongue speaking. By this, all men will know you are my disciples. And the key is you have love one for another. May you be a genuine lover. Amen. I said, may you be a genuine lover. Amen. When people see you as a believer, may they see the love of God oozing out of your spirit. May your relationship be characterized by love. Amen. Somebody shout a better amen. amen. Number four, love is fulfillment of the law. Somebody say love is a fulfillment of the law. So love is first, love is foundation, love is a future, and love is fulfillment of the law. Love is fulfillment of the law. Look at Romans chapter 13 verse 8. Romans chapter 13 verse 8. Okay, now let's do Exodus chapter 20 verse 1 to 17. He gives us a tall list of the law. The Ten Commandments are there. And God spoke all these saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Somebody say number one. You shall not make for yourself a calf image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For lo, I'm the Lord your God. I'm a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me. And keep my commandment. Do you see the text that people have been using to preach generational curses? Did you see it? <laughs> Let me show you. He says in verse number what? Five. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Visiting, now follow. Visiting what? The iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. The part that people don't see is those who hate me. Praise the Lord. Do you hate God? And it's your father. This is a generational case from your father. It has translated, it goes through the bloodline. Which bloodline? Which bloodline is that is flowing through me? There is no bloodline. I don't have any bloodline that hates God. From my bloodline down, we all love God. I'm not complicating here. I'm not complicating here. Yeah, he said, those who hate me. And then he tells you what happens to those who love him. He says, and by showing mercy to thousands. Oh, showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my command. So when you love God and you are walking in the commandments of God, there is no curse that can hold you down. Amen. Are you here with me? Yeah. Understand that. Understand that. It's a generational curse from where? Who put it on you? When scriptures are not rightly divided, eh, people can be easily put in bondage. That's what the Bible says. You shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. Those who hate me and those who love me. Okay, now let's continue. He said, you shall not make the name of, you shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless. Who takes his name in vain? Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor. But, but, but the seven, da, 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 da. Okay, so those are the ones for God. All that has to do with God. The first four. Alright? Now, honor your father and your that is on the human scale. What again? You shall not murder. Can you murder God? So it has to do with your relationship with others. You shall not commit adultery. God doesn't have a wife for you to go and chase. Are you here with me? <laughs> you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, his servant, blah, 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 blah. Or anything that is your neighbor's. Verse 18. Now all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Verse 19. It says, Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. Lest we do what? Okay, verse 20, he says, And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Are you here with me? Yes. 
Okay, so we have established that love, number one, is first. Love is the greatest because it is what? Oh, talk to me. It is what? Love is the greatest because it was first. The first and great commandment. Love is the greatest because it's what? It's the foundation for our relationship with God. Number three, love is the greatest because it's the foremost feature of every true disciple. Every true disciple of Christ is supposed to be marked by love. And then the fourth is that love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is the fulfillment of the law. All the law that we read, all right? Plus, the many others they added on. You know, God gave them 10, and they did themselves added on. So, in all, they had about 613. 245 of them, uh, good laws. 300 about the negatives, about uh, 200 and others for the positive. Those were the laws. 613. The Bible says, all the laws, they are fulfilled in this one commandment. Look at Romans chapter 13. <laughs> Oh, are you there? No, let's start from verse number eight. Oh, no man anything. Quickly. Oh, no man anything except to. Let's talk. What are you to owe everybody? Love. Why? Because that is your greatest son. You owe me love. Turn to your neighbor and say, you owe me love. I owe you love. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, no man nothing. So if you owe the person, you are telling nothing, go and pay. <laughs> oh, no man, nothing but love. For he who, now look at this, look at this, look at this with me. He who loves has what? He who loves another has what? Oh, talk to me. He who loves another has what? He who loves another has fulfilled the law. How do you fulfill the law? Because when you love one another, you will not covet, you will not commit adultery, you will not murder. So by so doing, that's why when we get to know what we are supposed to do, when we walk in the righteousness of God, we fulfill what God wants us to fulfill. Are you here with me? It says, he who loves has fulfilled the law. When you love God, you will not make any idol. You won't take his name in vain. So you fulfill the law of, thou shalt not take my name in vain. Thou shalt not have no other gods. You fulfill it. When you love your neighbor also, you will do all those things, all the other things. So, go to verse number 9. He says, For the commandment, he is referring you to what we read. For the laws we just read from, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not commit. If there is any other commandment, all are some in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do you get it? I hope it's simple enough. All the commandments. So the ones that are written in Exodus 20 and any other commandment you can think about, all of them, the summary of it is that love your neighbor and all of that are sorted out. Are you here? Okay. This law, we call it royal law. They also call it the law of Christ. And then it's also the law of the spirit. Praise the Lord. You know, when people hear grace, they think that we are under grace, we are not under law. Very soon, I will teach you what it means not to be under law. It doesn't mean that we don't live under any laws at all. We are not under the law for justification. Praise the Lord. But we are under law of righteousness. We are under law for righteousness, for righteous living. Anybody who is lawless can do far. You see, there are two categories of people who get exposed to the grace message and it destroys them. Those who believe that grace means there are no restrictions, they don't go far. Praise the Lord. And those who believe that grace empowers you to go above restrictions and laws, they do better. Are you here with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The fact that you are under grace does not mean, okay, you are under grace, go ahead and kill and see. You'll be jailed. Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work like that. Okay, so that's it. Love is fulfillment of a law. Somebody say love is fulfillment of a law. Okay. Number five. Love is the fruit of a spirit. Somebody say love is the fruit of a spirit. Say love is the fruit of a spirit. Yeah. Is it not interesting that the Bible was talking about fruits and he said the fruit of the spirit. He didn't say the fruits of the spirit. He said the fruit of the spirit. Have you seen that? 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, he said, but the fruit of the Spirit, did you see that? The fruit of the Spirit is, the fruit of the Spirit, did you say the fruit of the Spirit? Ah, he said the fruit of the Spirit is, is. Because when you read this text and you just oppose it on 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you will come to understand that the fruit of the Spirit is one and it is love. Somebody say it is love. love. Yeah, that's it. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It is love that expresses itself in joy, peace, meekness, and all of that. That is love. Are you here with me? Where genuine love is, all the other things happen. There is no tree that has multiple fruit. Every tree has one fruit. A mango tree has mango fruit. Orange has orange fruit. When you are born again, you are, the Bible says we are the trees of righteousness. What fruit do we produce as trees of righteousness? We produce the fruit of love. And love as a fruit expresses itself in different forms. Are you here with me? Now look at it. You can see that with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Okay, let's do something at Galatians 5.22 first before we come here. Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 16. 4 and 6, 1 Corinthians. Love suffers what? And is kind. Did you see kindness there also? Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puff. It does not rejoice. There is joy in love. Not in the negative. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the fruit of a spirit, love is the fruit of a spirit. The fruit of a spirit as love expresses itself in joy, peace, long-suffering. But ultimately, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's why he says, by their fruit, you shall know them. Do you remember what Jesus said? By their what? Uh-huh. And then, John chapter 13, verse 34, what did he say? Verse 35, he said, by this, all men shall know you are my disciples, because you have love one for another. That is a fruit. The fruit by which all men will know that we are the disciples of Christ is the fruit of love. Are you here with me? That's, that's, why, that's why love is the greatest. You cannot joke with it. If you're a believer, you're not producing that for something is fundamentally wrong. You can't joke with that. Number six is love is a force. Somebody say love is a force. Love is a force. So love is first. Love is foundational. Love is a future. Love is a force. Love is a force. Love is a driving force behind effective functioning of spiritual gift and profitable stewardship. If your service to God is going to be profitable, if on the day of judgment, God will look at your words, and said, well done, good and faithful servant. He's going to check the motives with which you did them. Praise the Lord. So if you give your body to be bent, and the motivation is not love. It's a motivation is that you want to be another Mother Teresa. That is a motivation. Because today people do all kinds of things to become known. People can become naked because it will sell on social media. It will go viral. So people do all kinds of things just to be known. Now that Guinness Book of Record is also filling up, very soon there will be no record there to fit. They will set all the records there. People do all kinds of things to be known. The motivation, what is motivating you? What is motivating it? You are serving, what's motivating it? You are preaching, what is motivating it? That's key. So love is the driving force. Somebody said love is the driving force. You see, when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about the gift of the Spirit. Chapter 14, he talks about the gift of the Spirit. In between is chapter 13, he talks about love. Praise the Lord. Now, it means that if you are going to exercise the gift of the Spirit and exercise them profitably, we have to. And at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, I'll show you a more excellent way. And that excellent way is a love way. Somebody say love way. Yeah. Excellent way. In fact, some Bible commentators believe that 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 is actually supposed to be part of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll show you a more excellent way. Then he started talking about the excellent way of love. Are you there? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. When he was about to talk about spiritual gifts again, you know how he started it? You know how he started it? Chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14. But pursue love. He's going to talk about spiritual gifts, but he says, pursue love first. Because when you have the spiritual gift and you are not using them driven by love, you abuse it. That's why people can use gifts, abilities God gave them to take advantage of other people. 
Are you here with me? Yeah. They sell all kinds of things to people who need help. And God has gifted them with the ability to help. Pursue love. Pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts. Desire it. But this one must be your lifetime pursuit. Because this is key. Pursue love. Pursue love. Alright? So, this is part one. As I close, what must be my attitude towards love? Now that I understand love is the greatest, and I've told you why love is the greatest. You remember why love is the greatest? Huh? Why is love the greatest? Oh, let's recap. Why is love the greatest? It's the first commandment, number two. It's the foundation of our work with God, number three. Foremost feature of a true Christian, number four. Is the fulfillment of a law. Five. Is the fruit of a spirit. Six. Is what? It is the driving force. Somebody said the driving force. Behind the effective functioning of spiritual gift and profitable stewardship. Amen. Yeah. You know why on the day of judgment... The Bible says, whatever you built with, if it is hay, it will burn. If it is silver, it will stand. If it is gold, it will stand. And the thing that determines what you are doing, whether it's gold or silver, is the motive. Praise the Lord. The motive. So you can be the greatest, biggest preacher, teacher. What was the motivation? Great author. What was the motivation? Great singer. What was the motivation? That is going to be the basis of our judgment. What must be my attitude towards love? Now that I understand love is the greatest virtue, what must be my attitude? Number one is that I must know and believe in God's love for me. This is where I start from. And that's what I'll be teaching about next week when I talk about the basis of loving God. Know and believe in God's love for you. Somebody say know and believe God's love for you. Know and believe God's love for you. Know love for you. you see, loving is difficult. Knowing we are loved is. Knowing that you are loved. I mean, a woman can ask their husband when she's not sure, do you really love me? When they start dating, do you really love me? They are always not sure. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so I tell men all the time, make sure that you say I love you enough. Say it in overdose to a woman. She needs to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it so that when she's even sleeping, she's hearing it. Am I communicating here? Yeah. One thing that a husband must make sure that his wife hears most from him is I love you. Praise the Lord. You will never fail. Say that enough. Don't be a typical Ghanaian man. Be a typical godly man who speaks the language of love. Are you here with me? Yeah. Somebody said, on the day we got married, I said, I love you. If I change my mind, I will tell you. <laughs> so, yeah. A couple had a problem. They came to the pastor. And then uh, the, the pastor asked, what is the problem? And the man said, it's my wife. She says, I say, I, I don't tell her I love her. And the pastor said, ah, but this is simple. Why don't you tell her you love her? He said, pastor, listen. On the day we got married, I told her I love her. If I change my mind, I'll tell her. <laughs> he got it twisted. You see, a woman needs to hear that again and again. Praise the Lord. If you are married, one thing your wife should not be in doubt about is your love for her. Praise the Lord. She, shouldn't, she can doubt anything, but she should not doubt the fact that you love her. Praise the Lord. Because it is one of the things the Bible puts a responsibility on the man to do. He says, husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church. There's only one time in the Bible where wives were told to love their husbands. And it was in addition to their children, Titus. He said, the older women should teach the younger women to love their husbands and their children. So a wife's love is for her children and their husbands. When some is left. But the husband's love must all be for the wife. Are you here with me? Yeah. 
So you, you should not. So no, somebody say no. no. And believe God's love for you. How are you going to be able to love God? You have to first of all know and believe God's love for you. Look at First John. That's why John called himself the beloved. He was so convinced that he was loved by God. Are you convinced that God loves you? And he loves you no matter what. He doesn't love you when you have a good day. He loves you when you have a very worse day. When the things are bad around you, he loves you anyway. His love is not dependent on your feelings. So when you feel happy, God loves you. When you don't feel happy, God does not love you. Listen, his love is far higher and greater than your feelings. Your feelings are too fluctuating. It cannot move you anywhere. Praise the Lord. So you have to know it and believe it. That's why he says, know and believe it. Because there are times you will doubt it. Circumstances will come your way. You go through experiences and it makes you want to believe that God does not love you. God is not interested in your case. You are all by yourself. It can never be the case. Are you here with me? God loves you and he loves you deeply. In fact, he likes you. That's what it means. His affection is set on you. Are you here with me? He said, we have known. Look at this. First John chapter 4 verse 16. He said, we have known and believed that love that God had for us. God is love. We have known and believe. We have known and believe. We have known and believe. You have to know it. You have to believe it. Somebody say, I believe it. In other words, when you wake up in the morning, you have to tell yourself, God loves me. I like the song that writer that says, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. You have to believe that. Believe that. A man may not love you. A husband may not love you. A wife may not love you, but God loves you. Praise the Lord. Know and believe in his love. Believe in God's love. Believe in it. Don't just believe it. Be rooted and grounded in it. Somebody said be rooted and grounded in it. Be rooted. Be rooted and grounded in it. Be rooted and grounded in it. This is Paul's prayer for the church of Ephesus. Be rooted and grounded in it. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. For this reason, Paul is praying for this reason, about my need to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, to look at 16. He says that he will grant according to the riches of glory to be strengthened with my by spirit in the inner man. Verse 17. He said that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that you be rooted and grounded in what? Love. Be rooted and grounded in love. Never be shaken about God's love for you. Be rooted and grounded in love. That is where Paul was when he said, what shall separate me from the love of God? Nothing. I am rooted. I am secured. I am grounded in God's love for me. Somebody say, God loves me. I know it and believe it. Number three, pursue, grow, and abound more and more in love for God and others. Pursue. Now that you know love is the greatest, you must know and believe it. Be rooted and grounded in it. You have to pursue, grow, and abound more and more in love for God and others. Somebody say grow, grow. and abound more and more. Abound. Yeah, grow. First Corinthians 4, 16, pursue love. If you are looking for a church in the New Testament that had no love, it was a Corinthian church. They didn't know how to show love to one another at all. That was a church that they could take one another to court. If you borrow my money and you don't pay, the next time I'll just take you to Silas chamber. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll just send you there. We are in the same church. They will take you there. When they have, they get together and you wait small. By the time you come, they finish the food. That was the church of Corinth. They didn't understand anything called love. So Paul told them, you are gifted, but pursue love. He said, pursue love. That's something. It's a pursuit. It's a lifetime pursuit. Pursue it. Because it's the greatest. First Thessalonians 3.12. He said, and the Lord make your love for one another and for other people grow and overflow. Can you see that? Grow and what? Overflow. May you grow in love. May you be overflowing in love. I said, may you be overflowing in love. Say, I grow in love. I overflow in love. My love for God is growing. My love for others is growing. Philippians 1.9, he said, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. More and more. May you abound more and more in love. 
I said, may you abound more and more in love. Abound more and more in love. Abound more and more in love. With knowledge and discernment. The church of Ephesus, Paul told them that be rooted and grounded in love. Later on, when you read the book of Revelations, they have loved their first love. Because when you are not rooted, you can go back. But when you are rooted, grounded, the Bible said, in the last days, iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall was cold. Your own love shall not was cold. Amen. I said, your own love shall not was cold. Amen. And then, finally, if you understand that love is the greatest, you must learn to demonstrate love for God and others. Somebody say, demonstrate love. For God and others. Say, demonstrate love. For God and others. Yeah. Demonstrate love for God and others practically. A lot of people are very theoretical with their love. Pastor, I love you. Pastor, I love the church. Pastor, I love this man. Pastor, I love this sister. And yet, practical proofs are not there. That's why we will not finish this series until we have examined, taking time to examine what are the practical proofs of love. A man says, I love you, and he's not making time for you. A man says, I love you, he can't pick your call. He doesn't respond to your text messages. And you are wasting your time. Papa, I've met this guy, he loves me so much. How does he love you so much? When you send message, it takes two days. And you are being deceived, you are believing. That is not the kind of love you must believe. That is the kind of love you must doubt. Praise the Lord. There are practical proofs of love. Look at what the Bible says. 1 John 3, 18. My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. Did you see that? You can love in word and in tongue, but you have to love in deed and in truth. And 1 John chapter 4. And this love you are talking about is for God and for man. Look at 1 John 4, 7 to 12. Beloved, let us love one another. 1 John 4, 7 to 12. Beloved, let us love one another. Oh, let's go. Beloved, let us love one. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. In this, does not know God, for God is in this. The love of God was manifest toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. How did God demonstrate his love? Practically, by sending his son. Do you see that? He sent his son. So if you love the lady, send some gifts. Send some gifts. Don't be asking her to uh, send you money. Rather, send some gifts. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, let the gifts flow. He said, in this is love. Look at this. In this is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent the son to be a propitiation for our sin. He said, if God so loved us, then we ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If you love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. 1 John 3, 16 to 18, I close. 1 John 3, 16 to 18. But this we know love. Look, but this we know what? Anybody talking about anything which is not manifesting in this way is not love. He said, by this we know love. If you are looking for love, there is a way to know it. There is a practical way to know love. By this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse 17, he said, But whoever has this word's goods and sees his brother indeed and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Verse 18, My little children, let us not love in our tongue, but in deed and in truth. May we receive grace and love in word and in truth. May we receive grace to demonstrate love practically for God and for others. Have you been blessed tonight? Yes. All right, this is part one. Stand on your feet and give God praise. Give Him glory. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afwakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. 
Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. No, no.